0: Imagine the year is 1823, there's no internet, there's no fun, you're kinda out in the woods trying to get some logs or whatever to sell it, to buy some uh, whatever they're eating in 1823. When all of a sudden you get attacked by a grizzly bear. The bear attacks you, messes you up pretty bad, and you're laying there, can't move, can't really respond because you just got attacked by a bear, and the guys that are supposed to be in charge of taking care of you just leave you behind. What do you think would happen? I'm gonna be honest, if I was in that situation, I wouldn't make it. I think I'd be like, well, I got attacked by a bear, it's my time. But the person we're talking about today is so tough, so insanely awesome, that they just survived it. So uh, we're gonna talk about it. what's going on guys it's your boy scrub here back again with another video and i felt like making another survival video today because i have a lot of fun with them and we've got to talk about hugh glass which some of you have probably heard of if you've ever seen the movie the revenant yeah this is the guy that like actually did that you know he's not leonardo dicaprio trying to get an oscar no no this guy just got attacked by a bear in 1823 and managed to survive absolutely insane story of survival i wanted to share with you guys so uh yeah sit back relax and enjoy and press the like button if you're hyped. If not, that's okay. You should still press it, though. All right, so Mr. Hugh Glass is a little bit of a mystery in terms of his early life. That's probably because he was born in 1783, they think. No one really knows for sure, but records weren't exactly kept about every single person way back in the day. And so little is known about him that nobody's even sure where he was born. They just know, like, around a year he was born based on ages he would say later. But from very early on, he was, like, out in the wilderness doing his best to thrive off the environment he would trap for fur he would go on expeditions and most people think once again they don't know that he was living in like mississippi or by the missouri river and he was just doing his thing going out getting some fur off some animals going to the market and selling it every now and then maybe being involved in some lumber or whatever is going on but he was a very outdoorsman type of guy spent a lot of time out in nature and thrived in it it wasn't something he was afraid of like personally if you told me that i had to go out into the woods and live for a week I wouldn't know what to do, but this guy you tell him to go live in the woods for a week and he'd be like Oh, yeah, okay Like I just do that for fun multiple times a month, dude Like I just live in the woods You know what I call living a week in the woods living and obviously someone of that stature would be very useful because at this time They're doing all these expeditions. They're sending people out to explore and, and do all these things so this general comes to him one day and he's like hey Listen, Hugh, you're an absolute G out in the woods. You do everything better than anyone I've ever seen. You're a legend. I've never seen someone chop down a tree with their teeth before, but you managed to do it. I made that up. I don't think that part is true. But the general was very impressed by his outdoorsmanship. And so he says, join this expedition, dude. You guys are going to go on this awesome expedition to, like, the upper Missouri River area. And it's going to be great. Like, you guys are going to explore some stuff, chart it for me. We're all going to just be so famous for being explorers. And you're exploring anyway so you might as well get paid by the government to go explore maybe help out the state you're from like everyone wins so hugh gets convinced by this general and he joins this expedition and they're on this expedition and it's way back in the day so they didn't bring the supplies with them that they like really needed to sustain themselves long term and it's all very experienced hunters and outdoorsmen so every now and then they would have to like stop on the river and then go off the river and try to find stuff to like eat Which is crazy to me i think camping already is uh i I love camping all right i'm not trying to say that like i hate the woods altogether. but you got to bring all your supplies and stuff could you imagine if us as humans were still good enough at survival that we could just go on a camping trip take our tents out in the woods and be like all right i'm gonna go catch a squirrel with my bare hands now without getting rabies i'm just saying people way back in the day yeah because of the lack of internet and modern amenities were just better at survival because everyday life was survival This guy was waking up since he was a child like, all right, I gotta go catch dinner. You probably get pretty good at catching dinner if you have to catch it every night. Either way, they're on one of these hunting trips one time, and he's out off the river kind of doing his thing. And out of nowhere, this grizzly bear comes up and starts attacking him. And if it was a male grizzly bear, then we're thinking about like a 600 pound bear. Females can be like 440. This is a giant bear. That runs up and just starts smacking him with the paw, attacking him. And no one really knows exactly what set it off. Chances are he probably got too close to the Cubs, or like because they were hunting, it thought it was hunting him, or you know what I'm saying? Like the bear felt threatened. Not that it knew it was being hunted, but maybe it was like, okay, this is not going to end well. Either way, it just absolutely attacks Hugh and leaves him shredded. The dude is really messed up like punctured lungs, holes in his body, broken bones. It's not looking good. And the injuries are so severe that the guy is just not really responsive to anything like you can tell that he's still alive obviously he's breathing but it's not looking very good and so his companions that are on a journey in the wilderness that's like uncharted there's really no way to get to quick medical care kind of say all right well two of us will stay here for a bit with him and see if he recovers and the rest are just gonna move on so the rest of the expedition moved on and the two people that were left behind with him eventually are like yeah this guy's just gonna die and we don't want to get too far separated from the group we have to sustain ourselves and they decide that they're just gonna, like, bury him. So they dig a very shallow grave. They're not very respectful about it. They kind of do him dirty, and uh, they just put him in there. And to be clear, I'm not saying they were doing him dirty by making the choice to leave him behind. Like, it is 1823 in the middle of the wilderness. Sometimes, if someone gets attacked by a bear, you're like, look, the only way the group's gonna survive is if we keep moving. Uh, there was also Native American attacks at the time. Because imagine all these dudes with guns show up on your turf. Like, you're gonna be like, hey, man, get out of here. So the longer they stay, there, there's more of a chance that they run into people that don't want them to be there. So they thought that leaving him would be the best bet. But the shallow grave, like, dude, this guy got attacked by a bear on your expedition. The least you could do is is dig up a real grave, you know? And I'm not sure if they thought he was dead or not. If they knew he was alive, then it's extra messed up. But if they thought he was dead with all these horrible injuries and him being unresponsive, then I don't know what you do. You don't stay there forever. So they kind of, like, put him in this grave and cover him a little bit and they move on, trying to catch back up with the rest of the group. Well, Hugh Glass ends Up, waking up, and he finds himself in this shallow grave with like all these injuries on his body, broken bones, the whole nine yards. And it's 1823, so chances are, after being buried, these injuries are going to get infected, like it's not going to be a very good time. And even if he manages to get back to civilization, which he's like 200 miles away from, it's not like medical care was known for being super advanced and fantastic in the 1800s, like nobody wants to go back there and get medical treatment from way, way, way back in the day. And so he realizes crap the crew left me behind the last thing he remembers is getting attacked by the bear and he wants to survive Obviously like that's the natural human desire, but he combines that with a pure fuel for revenge Like he is pissed off. He can't believe that they left him for dead like he's alive You know, they were always supposed to support each other on this expedition and they just put him in a shallow grave and called It a day so he immediately starts thinking like how am I going to survive and so he pulls himself out of this shallow grave and is sitting there thinking about like ah man I'm in the middle of nowhere I have a general idea of which direction to go but my injuries are brutal like I have to crawl basically but he's so fueled by the desire for revenge to get revenge on the people who left him for dead and put him in this situation in the first place that he just decides he's going to survive and so he starts crawling and like stumbling out of this forest eating berries and roots that he's finding along the way and he still has all these severe injuries so he's making his way through this insanely rough terrain eating berries eating roots and he realizes all right like i'm gonna need some tools i'm gonna need to, to get some stuff to defend myself because i already got attacked by a bear once i'm in a way worse state now i think animals are gonna know that i'm wounded so i need some weapons So he starts managing to create these weapons from stuff he's finding in the woods too just on the off chance that he gets attacked and it's probably pretty smart that he (laughs) ended up making these weapons in the first place because the terrible luck means that he gets attacked multiple times while on this insane journey that he's crawling through the woods in this rough terrain on. He has to fight off wolves because it's not already bad enough you get attacked by a giant bear. No, a pack of wolves have to show up and be like, hey man, can we eat you? No, let me use my weapon I made in the woods. while was crawling on the floor eating roots to fight you off but he does it dude like imagine being such an absolute specimen that you can fight off wolves with just a sharpened stick that you have when you already have insane injuries dude he maxed out all of his attributes he had like beaten the campaign he was playing in free mode And so he survives that, dude. He survives encounters with mountain lions. He survives encounters with all of these animals the entire time, insanely wounded, and, like, just doing his best to survive. And finally, ends up crawling over two... 100 miles dude 200 miles while being attacked before he gets to this fort and he crawls up and they're just looking at him can't believe that this guy just crawled up in this condition 1800s it's not like there's easy ways for places to communicate with each other really in the ways we have it now like they can't just call each other up so imagine you're at this fort and all of a sudden this guy literally half dead ends up like crawling out of the woods wearing the skins of animals that he's defeated with like one arm tied behind his back with a stick and he's just like hey man can i uh, get some help you'd probably think there was a zombie apocalypse or something going down i mean i don't know but like my goodness you're just supposed to stand watch at the fort hey man just guard the fort oh the one time james guards the fort here comes the half dead guy with a sharpened stick and a dead wolf oh and, and one more thing that he like managed to survive while he was out there before we get back to the fort part sorry sorry Uh, He was getting across rivers, too. So, like, with all these bear injuries, managing to swim across rivers, I think the human will to survive is just absolutely insane. Like, if you're in these situations, you can survive anything because your body will just not let you give up in certain situations. And obviously, I'm not saying that people that can't survive these situations, like, gave up. The elements are the elements. The human body can only take so much. But the idea that you, like, theoretically could be attacked by a bear and crawl 200 miles out, because you know a human has done that before, is insane. It makes me feel like a baby, all the things I complain about. Like, oh man, my printer's out of ink. It's like, well, at least I didn't have to crawl 200 miles after being attacked by a grizzly bear to get medical attention that was in 1800 standards. Anyways, now that he's at the fort, they give him medical attention, but 1823, so it's not like they have a doctor on staff that can, like, reset broken bones and do everything to clean out these wounds properly. They do their best, but it's very likely that he only received, like, basic medical attention, which is nuts after going through what you've gone through. And so, obviously, because the medical attention isn't, like, the standards that we have now, uh, his injuries leave him with, like, a lot of scars and some issues with, like, mobility and the ability to do things the way he used to, but he did just crawl 200 miles Miles after being attacked by a grizzly bear so it's possible that your body is kind of like hey man i need some time to recuperate and i'm not sure if i can do everything the same anymore because you just survived something insane and chances are that the people at the fort were just super impressed by his story it's not like they had the ability to hop on youtube and listen to everyone's insane stories of survival in the span of like a three-day period no that wasn't the case and they lived in the area so imagine someone manages to survive this insane ordeal shows up you give a of course you're gonna wanna help him. Like that's an inspiring story regardless. If I saw Hugh on the street today, even with all this YouTube stuff, I'd be like, man, you survived some crazy stuff. That's impressive. I would, I would definitely help a guy if he crawled out of the woods and was like, I got attacked by a bear and I crawled 200 miles. I think that's a normal human thing, but chances are he was able to stay at the fort for quite a long time because they were just so blown away by the story of survival. Like this is crazy at the time. People didn't hear things like this really. As for what happened after his recovery, because it was such a long time ago, Go And he wasn't the type of guy to like want to go to the press and say everything going on. Celebrity didn't really exist like that. Or if it did, it wasn't going to be like in Hugh Glass. So he just kind of went back to living his life. It's unsure if he stayed at the fort for a long time, took a long time to recover, or if he went out and went back to trapping like oh well i'm just gonna go do what i kept doing for a living out in the woods there's also some stories that he like literally went out to seek revenge on all the men i think that maybe fueled him at first for sure all your friends abandoned you for dead but i think really like if you were sitting there after surviving all that i don't know if you'd have the energy to go hunt down like 32 men and punish them all maybe he did he's clearly got some tenacity he crawled 200 miles in the woods after being attacked but I don't know. For his sake, I hope he didn't spend the rest of his time after this, like, trying to angrily hunt down a lot of people like a Red Dead Redemption DLC content pack. I know some people in the comments are probably like, no, that's way cooler. No, I hope he just went and did whatever he wanted. I hope he just vibed, to be honest with you. I hope he was out in the woods and his job was very easy. I hope he he didn't really have to do a lot of hard stuff after that. The only thing that is known is just like the general area he spent it in, which is the the western frontier at the time, which is like that Missouri River area. But yeah, overall, dude survived a literal grizzly bear attack in 1823 and crawled 200 miles out. I have another insane, insane survival story for you guys, but if you enjoyed this one about Hugh Glass, be sure to press the like button. All right, so this next guy managed to survive 133 days adrift in the middle of the ocean during World War II. This is Poon Lim, and he is an absolute legend. He was a Chinese sailor that found himself on a British ship during World War II. And it wasn't even like he found himself on a British war. ship during world war ii he was on one of the merchant liners that was responsible for transporting goods back and forth but in world war ii the germans decided that they were going to start sabotaging the supply lines to try to like ruin britain's chance of being able to keep resisting and they'd finally have to surrender so german u-boats which is uh the term for submarine back in the day Decides, all right, we're going to start sinking these merchant ships, which is really messed up because it's not like the people on board are combatants. Most of the time, they're civilians or sailors that have nothing to do with what's going on. Like this was a Chinese sailor on a British mer- merchant ship. He had nothing to do with it, but the Germans didn't really care. They were just trying to sabotage the supply lines. So, unfortunately, on this ship, a German U boat decides to send a torpedo its way, and the ship sinks. And it sinks really quickly it sinks really violently and poon lim is the only survivor after the boat sinks he's the only person left and he's kind of looking around this wreckage and he decides that like he's got to survive somehow he's got to tell the story of what happened so he starts swimming around the wreckage and makes himself a makeshift raft there was no raft left after the wreckage so he summons the energy somehow to like put this thing together that he's going to survive the next 133 days on so it's just parts of the wreckage it's things that would float and he's out there drifting and in the wreckage he manages to find a compass so he has like a little bit of an idea of where he's going but he doesn't have a way to really control this raft and he starts making plans on how he's going to survive and he knows that like number one he's going to need something to protect him from the elements he's going to need a source of food and he's going to need water if he doesn't have those three things it's over there's no reason to keep trying so he sets about setting up a way to like collect rainwater, which is big brain it's one of the only ways to really efficiently get fresh water at sea unless you can set up a solar still which you know would take a little bit of a genius oh wait good thing poon lim was a little bit of a genius he manages to set up a solar still as well so he has two sources for being able to collect fresh water so that's taken care of and he starts looking around the boat and he just has bits and bobs from the wreckage and he starts looking around for something he can fish with because that's probably the easiest way for him to get food other than like when birds would land on his raft he would catch them as well which has got to be so unlucky the seagulls flying up above him ah man it's the only thing i can land on for like thousands of miles they go in to land on it just won't not anymore pal i don't blame poom all, though. i would do the exact same thing like if th- i hadn't eaten in three days and a seagull landed on my raft i would look at it like kfc i'm not gonna lie so good for him for getting multiple streams of water not only water but multiple streams of food as well but he's looking through all these things and he ends up finding like some nails that he can twist into hooks some other metal bits and so now he's got himself a fishing setup which is fantastic like literally makes hooks out of pieces of the wreckage of the ship that got torpedoed And he even found a way on this makeshift raft to make a fire because there were certain times when it would get incredibly cold. This all went down in the Atlantic Ocean, which I guess gets very, very frigid at night. Most oceans probably do. I'm not an expert. I don't know. But he did find a way to make a fire to keep himself relatively warm. And of course, he did string together a shelter as well just to kind of keep him out of the elements. But no matter how great your makeshift raft is and no matter how great your stream of fish and birds are, and no matter how great your solar still is, 130. 33 days drifting across the ocean is not great for your body and he ended up getting very severe not only dehydration but insanely bad sunburns i mean think about it how intense the sun is at the beach now imagine the open ocean where everything's just reflecting it right back at you and on top of it the only real shelter you have is like it blocks you from the sun sure but you can't stay in there all day you have to catch fish you have to get water like you have to survive so he starts getting insanely severe sunburns which doesn't help the dehydration but he perseveres he knows he has to survive and finally he drifts so far remember he was going from England to get supplies from somewhere he drifts so far that a Brazilian fishing vessel ends up bumping into him one day and rescuing him and obviously he like had been trying to keep track of how long he was at sea using the the day and night cycle and keeping track of it but he really had no idea how long he had been out there after a while everything just starts to blend together so when he realizes it's been 133 days he realizes again that like wow that's probably got to be one of the longest times that anyone has survived a drift at sea and since then there has been a guy who was drifting around the gulf of mexico for like over a year but for a very long time this was one of the longest if not the longest time someone managed to survive a drift and all of this had been done on a makeshift raft it's not like he was really prepared for this there's nothing you can do to really prepare for this i guess but it's not like he had a lifeboat with all these supplies to get him started and a really safe place to shelter no from day one this guy just had to struggle and do everything and build it himself but he was so resourceful that you couldn't hold him down man like he managed to survive 133 days drifting at sea and so the story of this starts going crazy and it was a pretty inspiring story because you know oh the the germans can't take us down we'll survive 133 days at sea and he ends up going back to england and getting the british empire medal for his survival which is a pretty big deal everyone was very impressed by his story and after that he went back to china for a bit before moving to hong kong which was a protectorate of the the british empire for a little bit after world war ii And lived out the rest of his life relatively normally. Just a guy who survived an absolutely insane circumstance. You know when people would like come up to him and say, man, it's just so difficult trying to get through the work week. He would be like, hey, I'm not trying to one-up you here, but I survived 133 days on the ocean by eating birds and catching fish with nails. So I really don't want to hear it. This is Slavomir, who was a Polish soldier during World War II who found himself caught in the middle of a Poland divided between Germany and the Soviet Union. And so he was on the Soviet Union side and the rest of the Polish army was on the other side of the border. And this was a makeshift border because they had just been conquered so he was trying to get back to the rest of the polish army and as he's making his way across the border unfortunately he was captured by soviet troops and he gets sent to trial and basically every polish soldier that didn't immediately give up and say all right you're our new leader we'll do whatever you want ended up being sentenced to go to a gulag for hard labor for espionage the way the Russians viewed it is like if you weren't willing to submit, now we're just going to send you away and get as much forced labor out of you until you die or whatever. 25 years from now, I guess you can come back out. And so they ship all these people off to these gulags, which are horrible conditions. It's freezing. It's forced labor They're basically starving you they give you just enough to survive And so all of the prisoners start talking about how they've got to find a way out of here There's no way that they're going to be able to survive this long term So they need to figure out a way out of here And they kind of realize that there was this one spot over by the fence where the guards wouldn't really pay attention And they couldn't see it very well And so him and six prisoners decide that they're going to dig a tunnel and they start digging Digging a tunnel very slowly underneath this barbed wire fence and they don't want to make it too obvious they don't want to get caught but they also don't want to take so long that they get discovered so they start digging this tunnel and finally they get to the other side and they realize all right now we have this tunnel but how are we going to survive out in siberia trying to get to anywhere that's going to be friendly to us And on top of it, they don't have a vehicle. And the thing about Siberia is it's just vast nothingness. No offense if you're from Siberia, I'm sure it's pretty or whatever, but for the most part, if you try to escape from a prison camp in Siberia, you run into the problem of, there's really nowhere to escape to that isn't thousands of miles away. But the desperation of the gulag makes them be like, well, I would rather take my chances going thousands of miles on foot in the middle of hostile territory than stay here another day if you think about it they're either going to catch you and chances are you're not going to make it much longer after that right or you're going to stay here and literally be worked to death so either way it's not going to end very well so him and these six prisoners end up embarking on this journey on foot across the frozen wilderness of siberia just vibing doing their thing walking their way across And so they spend the next few weeks on foot kind of traversing across Russia, which is hostile territory. So they have to be stealthy about it. They can't really get help from local villagers because they're just going to turn them in. They kind of have to live like almost like a special operations soldier behind enemy lines while they're making this escape. And they walk from Siberia all the way across Russia, all the way across Mongolia. And they get to the Gobi Desert and they have to cross the Gobi Desert. And there's still six of them at this point. Everyone's made it. But now people are starting to not look too great, you know, the food situation hasn't been fantastic, things aren't the best that it could possibly be. And so they start crossing the Gobi Desert, also on foot, which is one of the most inhospitable deserts on the planet. I grew up in the desert, and so I did a little bit of googling for this video to be like, oh, okay, crossing the Gobi Desert, like, what would that be like? I don't know, I just assume most deserts were the same this desert like super freezes at night and can get as low as negative 40 which does not happen in the desert that i live in so uh yeah that's a little bit different and along the way of them like trying to get across this desert two of them die so there's only four left in this group that originally escaped the camp and even those two people that sadly passed away had gone thousands of miles on foot To try to escape what they were going through so it's not like not like any of them hadn't been through a ton it's just unfortunately when you're going like four thousand miles on feet across conditions that get as low as negative 40 degrees you're already not eating incredibly well you've already escaped a forced labor camp like it's not like when they escaped in the first place they had all this extra fat on them no they weren't a forced labor camp things were already not looking great and they still managed to walk thousands of miles on feet and so this group is left. Two of them have now sadly passed away, but they end up getting into Tibet by crossing the Gobi Desert. And once they're in Tibet, they're like, look, our best bet is probably to just go to India because it's still a protectorate of the British at this point. If not, it's, it's an allied country, so they're not going to get murdered if they go there and start asking for help. And they had been helped by the Mongolians along the way. Some Russians had helped them too. But for the most part, they had been trying to keep a low key, but if they could get to India, it's not like the Russians were going to come invade india to try to get them so they decide that they're going to get there and i'm sure at this point they're like look it can't be that much worse we've already walked thousands of miles we've already been through the gobi desert things have been horrible two of us have passed away but uh unfortunately they bumped into this little thing that they had to cross called the himalayas which is the largest mountain range in the world so their luck kind of could not keep getting worse and so they really have no other option so they start crossing the himalayas and it's insanely treacherous terrain And at this point their bodies are near giving up anyways because they've walked across siberia they crossed the gobi desert and the conditions are just nuts like imagine you walk through the desert it's hot during the day minus 40 at night you finally think you're going to get some reprieve oh you're just in one of the coldest places on the planet instead and unfortunately another two members end up passing away on their way through the himalayas but the other three remaining members know that they can't give up now they've already come this far so many members of their party have passed away along this journey like if they give up it's all going to be for nothing so they keep trudging on and finally they get through to the other side of the himalayan mountains and they end up bumping into this gurkha patrol And uh, if you don't know what a Gurkha is, it's a division of the military, which is basically like a combination of the Nepali and British army. They, They fuse together. If you serve in the Gurkha units, you can get British citizenship if you're from Nepal. I'm pretty sure that's how it works. But either way, allied, allied soldiers. So a good thing to bump into if you're escaping a Siberian prison camp. And of course, the Gurkhas are blown away that they say they escaped from a camp in Siberia because they realize that they're very far away from Siberia as well. So they end up taking them to a hospital in Calcutta where they recovered before going back home. And what's nuts is there's actually a journal entry from a guy who was like working in the Gurkha patrols at the time. And he talks about how he stumbled upon three emaciated men who claimed to have escaped from Siberia, which is such an insane thing to think about. Like you're stumbling around, that's like the equivalent of me stumbling around in Las Vegas and some guy running up to me and being like, help, I just escaped a prison camp in North Korea. I'd be like, what, you did what? You did what, where? Here? You just got here from there? I don't know. I think people will survive anything if you put them in a situation where they have to survive it. But they really went a long way to get to a friendly country. It just goes to show how like isolated they really were up in Siberia. I mean, think about it. That's the middle of nowhere. The fact that they had to walk thousands of miles before they crossed the Gobi Desert and then the Himalayas goes to show how nuts this escape really was. Anyways, guys, that's gonna do it for the video. Hope you enjoyed. I'm not a historian. I just think these stories are interesting. And uh, I know you guys said in the last one that I should do them every now and then so i felt like making one today hope you enjoyed if you did be sure to press the like button let me know what you thought in the comment section down below and of course subscribe if you're new turn on those notifications you can listen to me on spotify if you want i'll put a link down below and i'll also throw a link to the intro song down there too feel free to check it out no pressure and uh yeah on that note guys that'll do it don't get anyone pregnant if you do make sure they're hot and hopefully i'll see you guys all next time with another video i'm out peace